if we'd had this conversation, you know, two weeks ago, you know, people might've been like, oh, this will pass. And then we'll, I don't know. We don't know. So this might be a time to kind of reflect and think about, right, what do I want to be known for when we can go back outside again? And how do I want to be thought of? And that might be the best kind of reflection and learning you could do right now. From Comcast and BC Universal Lift Labs, it's Ideas Elevated, the podcast that elevates innovative entrepreneurs and their ideas. I'm Danielle Kahn, head of Lift Labs, and today we're sitting down with Kelly Howey. Kelly is a networking expert and author of Build Your Dream Network, forging powerful relationships in a hyper-connected world. Kelly's been featured in Forbes, Fast Company, Business Insider, and just this year, EBW included her on the list of the 100 most influential global leaders empowering women worldwide. In this episode, Kelly and I will talk about how you can build and strengthen your network from home during the COVID crisis and after. She'll explain how in times like this, it is crucial to lean on and invest in the relationships and peers you already have. And whether you're a venture-backed CEO or a solopreneur just starting out, she'll share tips for how to supercharge your network, both virtually and once we venture outside again. My chat with Kelly Hoey is now on Ideas Elevated. Before we jump in on some of the questions I have for you, can you just give us uh, your background so people know who you are? The, all the crazy background. So I'm all the your crazy background. Crazy background. Yeah. Who knew that? You know, start career in banking and insolvency law in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and end up in New York City. You know, a couple decades later, as an author, it's been a wild career journey that is only explained by networks and relationships. And part of those relationships led to me becoming the first president of a global business network for women. That made connections and networks that led to me being in the startup community and founding a startup accelerator and working particularly with female founders. And because of that, I remember it was in Philadelphia, the Women in Tech Summit, and that's when we met. And I think we met close to 1,500 founders, and we learned from them, and that's how we built Live Labs, all of our programs. And Kelly was there and was a mentor, and they're all along the way. So you have you live in New York. You've been through a lot of crisis there, right? Have you seen anything that has disrupted networking like COVID has done? Oh, you know, this is also a great equalizer, you know, on the networking because as you and I have both experienced with in-person events in the past, they can sometimes not be as inclusive as they should be. And that's inclusive in terms of the price, inclusive in terms of the physical space and who it is welcoming to, and the structure of the event in terms of who is listened to. Uh, more than one occasion, I've walked in and been, you know, one of the only women in the room. So maybe in some ways as, and I'm not diminishing in any way the horror of the situation we're in, but in some ways, maybe this is a great equalizer and give us a, a rethink. As you know, I'm active on Twitter and love playing around on there. And I was thinking the other day, it feels very... I want to say 2009 again <laughs> on Twitter. That was about the yeah, time I started too. on Twitter where we used to hang out and chat. We would just hang out. 
we'd chat, we'd have little conversations, and people could be found because they were a good guest, that they added value, uh, and it didn't matter what shape or form you came in, in. And so maybe there's a great equalizing right now, and, and you know, maybe we should roll with that. Yeah, maybe my, my uh, Twitter stock will go up. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I'm like so re-engaged on Twitter. I, I mean, I love Twitter just like you do. It's just so simple. It's also like a game of getting it to be a short tweet that yeah. I love. How do you say something really important or unimportant in the shortest way possible? What, what do you think that, you know, when you think about the equalizer, and I, I love what you just said, because information is power. And right now, as long as you have internet access or mobile access, you can get a lot for free, a lot mm -hmm. of information. Everyone is doing podcasts and talks. And most of this information right now is free. What do you think is the best way for people to, to find the content that's most valuable for them in helping them to connect with people and the, the new information that they might need going into to what's going to happen post-COVID? Mm -hmm. Well, so, so thinking particularly of startups and founders and, you know, maybe particularly female founders on this or, you know, the overlooked category of founders that's kind of broader than, broader than women. This is where, like, start watching your peers and or maybe someone you would hope would be your peer as a founder. What are they talking about? What are they reading? What are they listening to? You know, that may give you some hints at what is valuable to someone who is like, say you're just starting out, you're a startup founder, you just kind of gotten your idea and now you're like, okay, I'm stuck. What do I do? Where are your peers in the startup community who are a step or two ahead of you? as well as people at the same space, and, and ask them, what are they finding valuable right now? What are they listening? Because you could fall down rabbit holes of information on a daily basis, and that could just, you know, you could spend more time looking for things than actually finding the one valuable thing. So lean on your peers. And I really say that and stress that because in the startup community, people overlook the power and the importance and the necessity of their peer networks. That is your most important network in the startup community, not how many VCs you've got the emails for, not you know that kind of stuff, your peers. How do they help you? How do you help them? How do they refer you to information and opportunities? Who are they willing to make introductions for you to? That's your most important network. You mentioned earlier, you know, like the value and sort of democratization right now of access to information because of everything being, you know, so reliant on being online and not at large conferences, you know, and you, your role in so many ways, speaking at conferences and meeting people in person at conferences. My, my history, like I was head marketing for Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau before this, this job. And the meetings and conventions industry is, is really hit right now. How do you think people can and should try to replace the value that they would get from these large conferences? So, you know, South by Southwest didn't happen. What's your advice for them? What If people were really reliant on doing their networking at these conferences, what should they be doing now? Well, I want to focus on two things. One recently, and it was you know, talking to our friend, 
mutual friend Tracy, who we mentioned earlier, and they have needed to take Affiliate Enterprise Technology Conference online. And they've decided to take it online this year. And they are just maniacally focused on making the online experience parallel to, as much as possible, an in-person experience in terms of how they're having people moderate conversations, how they're going to have Q&A, how they will have hangouts. So they're almost staffing it up as if they had taken like the Philly Convention Center, (laughs) you know, as opposed to, oh, yeah, yeah, you can just use this online platform and just throw it up there and people will watch it. They want it to feel like you're milling around at that conference. And, you know, as Tracy said to me, don't kid yourself, you know, taking um, a conference online can be as much or more work than in person. And if you care about your audience, you will do that. So I, th- I would say to people, look, um, when you want to f- sort of replicate, because, you know, you don't, so well, what we thought was networking and big networking at conference, it may be on pause right now, but don't pause your relationship building, find these opportunities. But go, if I was someone who's looking for networking, I would go and look and say, how are they organizing this? How are they care about, are they just caring about kind of throwing like a water hose of information at me? Are they giving me opportunities to engage in real, real, in air quotes, meaningful ways? The other thing, you mentioned South by Southwest, and one of my favorite experiences at South by Southwest was a very early one, and I think it was when one of the founders of Twitter was being interviewed. And it was because of live tweeting, that keynote, that I connected with a guy by the name of Lionel Menchaca, who at the time was the chief blogger for Dell. I'd been following on Lionel and engaging with Lionel on Twitter for a couple of years before then, you know, and he would be sending me the, hey, thanks for retweeting. And, you know, we had that kind of little bump into somebody in a hallway, you know, kind of thing. And he saw that I was live tweeting the keynote. So he said to me, wow, you're here, let's meet. So this is the other thing people need to realize. And Lionel and now I consider a dear friend. And just because you can't show up at South by Southwest, just because you can't show up at whatever big conference or meetup, doesn't mean these digital interactions can't forge the powerful relationships that you need and want to advance your startup and your your ideas, your passion projects, whatever else it is you're pursuing. It's really interesting too, I think, moving forward. I know I'm going to be even more strategic in prepping for conferences and making sure that if there's any interactions that people can have beforehand online and making the time in person even more valuable, that's actually what I'm, I'm kind of learning myself. I just want to mention it's Tracy Wilson Rossman who we're discussing. She is the chief marketing officer at Chariot Solutions. Her name's come up a couple of times, so I want to give her a shout out. She produces, I think, Chariot's uh, conference is what Kelly is referring to, and that's coming up. And if anyone can deliver a great program online, I'm sure it's going to be Tracy. So yeah, we'll yeah. all be checking that one out. Yeah, even even if it's not your subject matter, watch how she puts together a conference because I know um, she, the the attention to detail she's putting in it. And I think your your point, Danielle, that I think we're going to be more selective going forward. I think there are big conferences and yeah, that have over the past few years gotten lazy 
about their audience and caring about their audience, caring about a lot of their speakers other than their big names. And guess what? We don't have time for that kind of nonchalance when it comes to relationships and providing value anymore. Yeah. Speaking of that, so you, I'm sure you were booked to speak at different conferences. What are you doing right now to share content and really lean in on your subject matter expertise online? Oh yeah. I'm going to say doing things like this. I also have my own weekly podcast, uh, Build Your Dream Network, where I you know, drop a few pearls of networking advice. Some of the conferences and things, we've taken it online. So I was supposed to be in the UK. We're now doing that as a webinar. And it's also creating new opportunities as people realize that they need their relationships more than ever before. So, you know, the soapbox I've been standing on for a while has just kind of gotten bigger. <laughs> yes. And uh, I'm sure you're someone who's uh, never sitting still. So what, and this is sort of a question around what are some tips for founders and what they could be doing right now to develop new skills that they can use moving forward if they do have a little bit of time to research and, and to interact and, and specifically what kind of new skills are you leaning in on? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to say learning how to use tools like StreamYard and uh, getting over my fear of doing video. So there is that. I think a great kind of thing right now is um, it's more of a mindset is getting over the need for perfection. You know, wh where, where can you just share things? Where can you help out and not wait for things to be perfect? I also think it's a time to kind of discard you know, the, the perfectly laid out plans, you know, maybe you were going to launch a product and you know what, you had that perfect social media campaign, you know what, toss the perfection and what and what it what and how can be, you know, kind of relevant now uh, to put that out there. But, you know, this may be a, a time in some ways for some people to, you know, kind of take a pause and reflect and where, where is it you want to go going forward? I don't think we can imagine that when we come out of this I want to say social distancing. I don't think we should imagine it's going to be exactly like it was before. And I think there was a if we we'd had this conversation, you know, two weeks ago, you know, people might have been like, "Oh, this will pass," and then we'll. I don't know. We don't know. So this might be a time to kind of reflect and think about. Right, what do I want to be known for when? you know, we can go back outside again. And how do I want to be thought of? And that might be a, the best kind of reflection and learning you could do right now. And, you know, sort of as a follow-up to that, is there an opportunity now? What are, what do you think with everyone tethered to computers and their phones and their homes? How do you think founders can uh, start thinking about the business opportunities in this time? Someone was asking me that. I know it was a group of students on another podcast and, and they were wondering what job opportunities. And I'm like, man, like, just think we've all been like, maybe we're going to need some skilled trades again because we're going to have to reconfigure office space because we're all going to want, you know, we've been all been crowding into, you know, open plan. Maybe we're going to want a little more arms distance. <laughs> maybe we're going to need, you know, more people to create innovative fabrics that will, I don't know, self-clean. My building I live in, they now have self-cleaning buttons on the elevator and some self-cleaning material on the, the railings. So, you know, are we going to need new and innovative materials? Are we going to need, 
I don't know. My So my father's a veterinarian. I'm going to throw this mm. idea out there. And so he's always been a little kind of maniacal and, and detailed when it comes to, you know, hand washing and things. But he's taken his cleaning of his car to a new level of detailing. And I'm like, listen, someone's going to have to have the coronavirus car dealing. You know, there we go. I know it's not a tech, but there we mm. go. You know, so start thinking about different things. Like we're not just going to come out of this and go, you know, back to usual. We're going to need new and innovative materials that we can trust are not going to, you know, aggregate germs. Are people going to need to even just sort of, let me think, from office cleaning to home cleaning, like, are we going to need new and innovative products or just services because we're not going to wait, you know, once every couple of years to call the upholstery cleaner to come and clean the sofa? Are we going to want that done more professionally and regularly? You know, someone was asking me if I knew anyone who was doing online weddings, but also think, sadly, online and, and virtual funerals. I mean, there's all sorts of all sorts of, you know, from the from the optimistic to the morbid opportunities right now. But, you know, kind of think of it. And I think they both on the product side as well as services. Yeah, those are great. Great suggestions. <laughs> I hope people are listening and building those businesses. Or if you're working on those, let us know. Do you think that there is a uh, an opportunity right now for access to a phone call with an investor or a mentor, like more time now? Do you think people are giving more time now? Or, you know, how how much harder or easier do you think it is just because people are stuck at home? I would say yes and. It's sort of a yes and no. I think you need to think about investors. I think you really need to look at what their portfolio is and what is going on with their fund and their portfolio companies. So a lot of investors right now are really focused on the needs of the people they've already funded and keeping those founders sane, afloat, you know, figuring out if they may have to go in with some more money, helping them with their cash flow. So bugging a founder right now because you're in your you were in your fundraising mode three weeks ago might not be the best idea because their attention is on the people they've already invested in. But you can watch and see what they are doing. You like don't lose the kind of eye on them because how they handle helping their founders will give you an indication of whether or not you want to reach out to them in the first place, you know, when all of this kind of passes. Because, you know, as we've talked about, all money is not good money. What comes with it? Do they come with other resources? Do they care about you? Or, you know, do they just care about returns on their fund? Those things can be in friction. So, yes. you know, do, this is one I say, like, do your homework, do your homework, do your homework. Go back to what we talked about before. This is when you want to have peers so your peers could say, oh, yeah, let me make an introduction to that investor. They had closed their fund three weeks ago, and they are really looking for solid investments right now because they have money to deploy. So you've got to know like the state of the startup funding market, not just I need money, who has it? This is not like an ATM situation, right? Which bank machines open. But what is going on? Who's got cash to deploy? What are they deploying it in? Who can make an introduction for me? 
Yeah. And the same thing I would say goes for business development. You know, we've gotten some cold calls or reconnecting from startups that we've worked with in the past or helped. And my advice to them has been, if it's a must have right now and you think it can solve a huge problem, great. If not, we're probably going to put it on the back burner for an introduction at this point for at least a month and revisit it. So this is, I think, also an opportunity for startups and founders to realize their true value and whether or not they have a must-have or a nice-to-have. If you have a nice-to-have, yeah. you know, think about what the timeline for kind of the, fro- the defrost on people's businesses, attention spans, and the economy for, have- for nice-to-haves. And maybe you step back and you say, this is a nice-to-have how can I sit down and think bigger on this? You know, and, and what comes to mind actually is sort of just saying that and hearing what you had to say, Danielle, was, you know, the story of Airbnb, where originally when they had, I think they had applied to Y Combinator and the founders came in and, you know, Paul Graham was like, I like you guys, their prior idea, you know, kind of lukewarm on it. Why don't you two go in a room and come up with something else? And so maybe this is a time you go, let me think about coming up with something else. If um, people can pivot their factories to start creating, you know, instead of ball gowns, they're creating, you know, nurses gowns, surgical gowns. You know, what can you pivot to do that would be bigger than you imagined before? That's great advice. I have a couple more questions. One is you travel a lot and... Obviously, the travel industry is really hit right now. What do you think is going to, what's the new norm going to look like in travel? And have you started to see any innovations happening in travel in the past year that you think could actually get accelerated a little bit right now? Yeah, that travel, that's a thats a big question. That's going to be really interesting because we have become so, like this, the accessibility uh, of travel for people. And when I sort of even reflect on it earlier in my life where, you know, I don't think I was into my early 20s until I got a passport. And now that just seems so funny to even say that. But again, like we've, we had gone to I think the times I've been to Aruba, and there's a lot of travel technology that has been tested with that market. Things like the passport control and the, you know, the fingerprint and the face and the ease, like removing the friction to get into through security and to your boarding gate. Will we now see, or is there a possibility for now reducing the friction because now we have social distancing? Are we going to see improvements with kind of monitoring the volume of people within airports because, you know, maybe we need that distance now? So is that a possibility? Go back to the innovation in materials. Wouldn't that be great to know that Every time you got into an, you know, your seat in a plane, you didn't have to bring, you know, a canister of Lysol wipes to wipe everything down. If there were now, I want to say, sort of antibacterial, antiviral seat covers that could be put over and reused on things. So you start to think about, all right, where where, where is that? Where will we have more? Is there going to be more innovation in how we deploy people within the travel? So that you know, again, I think when we choose to travel. And how we travel, we're, we're going to have heightened concerns and need more kind of, I want to say a little more TLC, I think, because of either anxiety or, you know, 
just what we expect because now we're choosing to do something that, yeah, you sort of hate to say it, something that can make you sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So especially for new founders, what are three tips, or if you don't have three, however many uh, tips you have, but three is always a good. What are three tips for any founders for building or expanding their network from home? And I love the from home bit because I always think of networking and network building as starting from your core. And that means who are the relationships you already have? So I would say to any founder right now, think about the relationships you already have. You may have friends and family like your nearest and dearest who are very involved in the work that you have, you're doing as a founder. So if you you could, you could keep them in that kind of pocket. But if it's just mom and dad going, this is great, go for it. And that's, they're just your cheering section. Let's just push them off to the side for a second. But who's that core of people who are really involved in either the industry you're trying to disrupt or they're involved in the innovation economy? And, and how are you interacting with them? And start your networking from there, right? Take a look at some of those people and see what they're involved with. Where are they finding meaningful information, meaningful engagement, meaningful communities. And maybe you need to step into and become part of one of those. So, you know, maybe you've put off being part of a meetup. Maybe you have been put off participating in, you know, Lift Labs female founder. Maybe you've been like, oh, I'm too busy for that. Maybe this is the time to say, you know what, I need to, I need to show up. I need to, to be part of this. I need to contribute. And then coming back to your core again, the other suggestion I would have is find a group, a small group, you know, three to five people, and take a, an oath, an allegiance to help each other out and have that kind of peer mentorship, peer, not just support, peer mentorship group, and regularly get together on a phone or a Skype or what, Zoom, FaceTime, whatever, and talk about what it is that you need. And pick people to be in that core group who might be doing the same thing as you in the sense that they're all launching a business or they're all startups. But don't pick people who have the same networks because you want different perspectives. And you don't need to have a peer group that's an echo chamber. You need to have different perspectives and insights and people able to bring different resources to the table. Those are the three things I would do right now. Yep. And I'll just wrap up by, you know, you and I talk about the importance of inclusion and diversity so often. It comes second nature for us. One of the the things that I think you're you've just been so great at is making sure that your information, your book, your um, subject matter expertise has been shared with such a wide range of people. What do you think people can do to widen their their network and and include newcomers to that conversation. And this is this again go back to you know kind of talking about being online. I mean look for good ideas. Don't worry about the title and you know the pedigree of where it comes from. I mean this is where 
you know, digital and, and social networks in their purest form, idealistic form, they're great equalizers. How you expand your networks is good. Go and look for good, thoughtful people uh, who are sharing meaningful, valuable content, uh, who are generous in their in their activities and, you know, like skip the pedigree and, oh, I'm, you know, only going to follow. Like, go and look for good ideas. Go be curious and go follow good ideas. That's what I would do right now. Well, thank you so much. Kelly Hoey has been our guest today on the Ideas Elevated podcast of Comcast NBC Universal Lift Labs. And you can find Kelly online at jkellyhoey.co. She is the author of Build Your Dream Network, Forging Powerful Relationships in a Hyper-Connected World. This is Danielle Kahn. Until next time. This has been Ideas Elevated from Comcast NBC Universal Lift Labs. If you'd like to be part of the Comcast NBC Universal Lift Labs Accelerator powered by Techstars, head to ComcastNBCULift.com or check out the show notes and apply today. Ideas Elevated is a Q9 production. This episode was produced by Kevin Schmidlin with editing by Max Graham and theme music by The Last Generation on Film. From Lift Labs, I'm Danielle Kahn. Until next time.